Welcome to Freelance Sucks. Here we discuss the dark side of freelancing about which nobody usually talks out loud. In this show, we speak with experienced freelancers, and I'm sure listening to their stories helps you prepare for freelancers' challenges. My name is Yuri. I'm a community builder at Code Control and 9am.works, and my guest is Erin Peters, a freelance marketing community startup growth and change management expert, future of work evangelist, and a retired digital nomad. Welcome, Erin. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Super happy to talk to you. And let's start with the beginning. What is the most challenging part of being a freelancer for you? Absolutely. I think it's, gosh, estimating how much you're capable of taking on without sacrificing everything else in your life. (laughs) So I think it's very common for most freelancers to want to take every opportunity as it comes up because it's really hard to have that foresight of opportunities at least in my line of work so sometimes i go yes that's so exciting let's do it and then another great one comes along and i go if i say no to this project will anyone invite me back on another project so i take on more and more and it gets hard to manage and it can be quite overwhelming sometimes so i think that's the hardest part is how do i have foresight into my revenue (laughs) enough that i know what I should take on and how much and when. You know, there was kind of saying like, if I miss this train, maybe the next train is even better. Right. Does it work for you that way in a, with projects? Uh, I think oftentimes I find that there's a lot of momentum from projects and I'm very lucky that I have a lot of referrals in my line of work. So oftentimes getting one project now means getting a few other projects later. So it's hard to say no to that when you know that, hey, I could crush this project, knock it out of the park, and then I could get more work from it later on. So it's hard. It's still hard to know. (laughs) Yeah. And as a freelancer, what is the most time-consuming thing you must deal with? Admin. (laughs) (laughs) Whether it's answering various emails, making sure you're keeping up with your consistent personal brand if it's posting on social media, uh, prospecting for the next work while you're still finishing your current work, all of the kind of general day-to-day stuff is the hardest. I think for me, it's very rare that the work itself that I'm actually doing is the hardest part. (laughs) (laughs) How do you find time to build your personal brand while having all those projects? You know, I don't often, if I'm being (laughs) honest. (laughs) And I think, you know, a lot of my friends who are in the creative space or or designers as well will often tell you, like, their portfolio is never up to date. (laughs) Because, like, same with a hairdresser, they never have their hair freshly done, right? So I think it's really tough when you're working on projects and you're talking to a lot of people to want to sit down and focus on selling yourself. And I also think that it's tough to kind of do that a little bit sometimes because, you know, oftentimes you're told you should be humble, you should do everything else and building a personal brand and selling yourself means putting yourself out there and being your own biggest cheerleader, which can be pretty uncomfortable sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, kind of like, Hey, go, go. But Look you at know, me, look like, how great I am. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Yeah, but still. Yeah. And, okay, so it's the most time-consuming thing, but what is the most nerve-consuming thing? Gosh, yeah. I think, 
the thing that could be the most stressful is some of that foresight, as I mentioned before, of going, am I going to have consistent revenue, especially for shorter project based? But the other thing I think that keeps me up at night is definitely when you have to collaborate with new people. <laughs> because I know my quality of work and how it's going to go. I have some absolutely incredible freelancers that I've worked with many times and will always refer work to and trust them implicitly. But I think when you are first forming a team, whether it's with other freelancers or even people in-house, you're still kind of feeling out how everybody communicates and how they work and what their preferences are. And I find that that can have a large emotional and mental tax on you in addition to all of the work itself. So I often find myself thinking through a lot of scenarios before they even happen, just going, okay, how can I make sure that this person's happy with that, but also that other person's happy with that other thing? And sometimes it's conflicting. So I think that's a big emotional and, and stress for me sometimes is going, okay, how's this going to work from just an interpersonal and human standpoint? Because we're all so different. Do you have any tips on how to connect better with new people? Yeah, I think setting clear expectations initially is massive. Um, I've worked in a, a ton of international teams and there is an Atlassian playbook that I actually think is really great. It's called personal operating manuals. To be honest, it's a long exercise and workshop, but if you shorten it down to one slide where you cover things like, you know, how I like to receive feedback, how I like to communicate, is it Slack, is it email, is it otherwise? Do you generally have working hours that you prefer people to contact you in? And just setting the expectation up front and asking everybody else to do that too, even that alone of the most basic things, it helps so much later down the line of going, okay, I know that Erin hates email and it's going to get lost because she finds email overwhelming, which is true. So I'm going to drop her a message on Slack with a link to the file that we need to do. And I know that she's going to see that sooner and she would prefer it that way. Or You know, if it's things like feedback, it's going, okay, keep the feedback direct, transparent, early and often. Or it's very okay if someone tells you, I want you to sandwich feedback. I'm very sensitive. And or I'm not open to feedback about these topics. And that's very okay as well. Um, so I think setting the, the expectation and having a conversation about how you want to work together at the beginning is so much easier. Okay, you are you are an expert in that, but how to make other people set in expectations you ask them to fill it out if anything okay. the best way for people to read about your ways of working is to ask them first so if i go yuri what is the best way to work with you you might say okay so you have google for me <laughs> I, i feel like <laughs> exactly so but by starting the conversation by asking then you will always always also get to share And it's much more welcoming and inviting in that way too, because it's not going, here's how to work with me, take it or leave it. <laughs> it's going, it's it's leading with the intention of me asking is I want us to work well together. And that's a two-way street, right? So by opening the conversation that way, it's very easy for you to be able to, to learn what people like and don't like. Did you ever have the situations when you have had such conversation and understood, okay, we won't work together? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> how, do, how do you stop working with somebody after just starting? I think it's 
important to set yourself up with a bit of a trial period in any way, shape or form, and to have a few conversations before you jump in with people on major things. So I get asked to do a lot of advising. I've sometimes been invited to co-found companies. And there's also a great set of questionnaire for 50 questions to ask your co-founder. And I went through the process with a couple of different groups through this. And in doing so, we found out that like, hey, we don't have the same vision. We have such different working and communication styles. Like, could we make it work? Maybe, but ultimately, like, are we gonna be pulling teeth the whole time? Yeah. Like it's not like it's better for us to end it now than to get too far down the road and just resent each other and lose the relationship. So there's so many ways you can support each other without having to be fully committed. So that's one way of doing it is leave yourself a bit of space up front to have those conversations. Um, but unfortunately, not all of us have the foresight or the ability to do that. Once you're already in it, I think it's more about setting boundaries and expectations. Boundaries being this is what I can kind of tolerate and operate within and expectations being, this is what I expect you to operate and fit within. <laughs> so um, once you have those in place, it's kind of, you just have to see how it goes and hope for the best. As a freelancer and as a remote worker, do you ever feel professional loneliness? Absolutely. I think, you know, there's loneliness, whether you're in organizations or not, I would say. <laughs> um, because oftentimes, you may not have a peer set. Let's say you're a middle manager. You can't complain up, you can't complain down, right? And that could be in an organization. And in freelancing, maybe you don't have a peer that can review your work or you can bounce ideas off of. So I do think that it can be super lonely and hard to navigate from kind of a, a professional peer style, but also from the emotional support that we all just need, right? You don't want to offload a bunch of your stressy day to a partner or a family member, or a friend, like they don't need that either. Exactly. And sometimes they don't have the context. So um, I'm in so many different communities. I mean, you know me well enough and have seen me in like a number of them already <laughs> where we're both in them. It's important to seek out the type of community that you need, whether it's peers who know the same topics, whether it is just other people to shoot the shit about, you know, a football game or uh, the weather outside or photography. Make sure that you're just kind of filling your different needs in different groups. I can imagine shoot the shit for uh, community. That's like <laughs> I've never I've never met them before, but I, I I'm sure there are they exist. So. I think most communities have a chat, general chatter channel where all of that typically takes place. <laughs> yeah. And if your friend wanted to become a freelancer, what are top three things you'd advise them to consider before doing that? Yeah, I think the first thing to consider is like, what do you want to do? And I mean that in both the immediate sense and in a couple of years from now, what do you want your professional life to look like? Because, you know, I wish it was as easy as snapping your fingers and everything working out immediately. But most think good things need a bit of building and some foundation first. So being very clear on what you actually want is an important first step. Next, I would say, like, how realistic is it for you to do full time right now? it's okay to dip your toes in and start moonlighting or try things on. Um, I think it's quite scary for people for a number of reasons to quit their job and dive all the way in. And quite frankly, it's not responsible in some instances. So that's the second step is how soon do you want to go all in? Is that now or later? 
And part of that is the third, which is, are you financially able to take on any type of risk right now? Not all freelancing businesses are the same in the terms of startup costs. Maybe you need to learn a new skill, maybe you need to buy new equipment. And that can be a pretty sizable investment upfront as you're starting to build out a portfolio of customers as well. So first, know what you want to do. Second, know how soon you're able to do it. And the last is, what does it look like financially? And are you ready to take on any type of risk? From your experience, what is just normal financial pillow to have to start freelancing? Yeah, to start freelancing, I I think it's kind of to each their own because you can start freelancing as you're already working somewhere else, in my opinion. And in fact, yeah. I think that's some of the best ways to do it is try like try before you buy, right? Mm -hmm. But in terms of savings, it's always best to have at least at least two months of your expenses, if not a little bit more, ready in savings that you can dip into at any time, just because. In recent years, we've seen there are very uncontrollable things that happen in the world from yeah. pandemics to people being displaced to recessions in different economies. Sometimes business will be good and sometimes it won't. So make sure you have that level of padding where you can take care of yourself or any of your loved ones if necessary. Uh, and usually the rule of thumb is two plus months. Erin, I wish to have the sky as a limit, but time is the limit. So the final question, if you were starting freelancing today, Is there one thing you would have done differently? Yes, I think I would have trusted myself more. <laughs> And I think it took me too long to realize that I actually do have something very unique to offer. And I think that's such an important part of freelancing is having your niche in a different area. And I kind of undersold myself even to myself of going like, ah, I just do this thing. Nobody really cares. And I do it well. Right. But realizing, hey, no, like I actually do this really well. People need it and people are willing to pay me for it. And that's pretty cool. So I think trusting my own abilities and trusting my own position would have been a lot more helpful to to be confident in back in the day. <laughs> yeah, Erin, thank you so much for sharing your challenges and experience. And it was such a pleasure to hear and learn from you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. And thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, hit the like button or five stars and share it with your friend. That's it. We're done. See you in the next episode.